Right then, morning gents. Welcome back to the second episode of the Sporting Minds UK podcast. Um, firstly, boys, what you been up to? Cal, what you been up to this week? I've uh, been back at university for yeah the past five days. Not up to much, there's still not much going on, but uh, yeah, nice change of scenery. What about you, Wes? I've actually had a week off, lucky me. I've been on the graft, you know, since December, so I've had a week off. Not not that there's a fat lot you can do with your week off, to be honest, but yeah, I've done a bit of running, done a bit of walking, you know. So yeah, Twig, how about you, mate? Have you managed to find your zen or peace with your yoga at all this week? <laughs> um, Not so much. I've only done a few this week, and my body's very sore. What sort of I've, yoga um, do you do? Any, really. Just a lot of, like, just basic stuff off YouTube. But hot yoga? Do, no, not hot yoga. It's too sweaty. My hand, I'm a sweaty human, so my hands get quite slippy, and then you can't hold any poses. But yeah, so I've done a few flows this week, but I've been training and coaching, which has been interesting, getting back yeah. into it. Very cool. And I actually played a bit of football. Oh, God. Oh, nice. Didn't, yeah. uh, no injuries? Didn't expect it. No injuries. Good. Very stiff hamstrings. Okay, fair enough. What about knee? What but about bag, kneecaps? Bag kneecaps okay. Oh. ACLs all right. Oh great! Oh, I was a new man. I was like Santa Cazola out there, to be honest. Whereabouts? Oh, you what? So you're sort of number ten? No, he's yeah, a left I, back. Twiggy is left back in the changing room. Nah, I am. Um, I like to say I have a, a free, free roaming kind of role, just to express myself. Okay, a bit of a sort of Phil Foden type. Hmm. I role. actually, yeah. Phil Foden, that probably is the closest. I'm spot on actually. With probably Phil hasn't Foden. quite. Probably hasn't quite got the legs for Phil Foden. Have you? He's got he's got an engine, hasn't he, Phil Foden? He has got an engine. I am the opposite of an engine. I'm like a little Morris Minor. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, gents. It's nice to know uh, you've had a good week. Um, so obviously, we recorded the first episode of the podcast last week. Um, just out of curiosity, the founder of the charity, The Boss, Mr. Callum Lee, how did you think uh, the first episode went? Yeah, well, we, we haven't actually released it. Like, by the time we're recording this, we haven't released it. Um, so hopefully it's gone down well with the with the wider public. I thought it went pretty good, to be fair, for a first for a first crack at a podcast. Um, I thought it was good. It was. I didn't get bored listening back to it, which is always probably quite a good sign. Um. Yeah, interesting stuff discussed. Got into some pretty big questions for the first podcast, so I was very happy with it. Got some good reviews. Apparently, one of the things that a lot of people liked was the sort of varying accents that we have on this podcast, um, which I can agree with. Really, we've got the sort of black country, we've got up north, and then I'd like to think I'm sort of somewhere, you know, a bit more of a, a, a dignified tone. Yeah, yeah, a little bit posher. A dignified Represent... tone. <laughs> yeah, I'd what, say so. What a sentence. <laughs> um, yeah, well, that's not what I was expecting. Um, so, obviously, as the podcast hasn't been released yet, we're yet to have the fans banging down the Sporting Minds UK head office for the next episode um, up to this point. I thought, personally, I thought the talking was actually relatively straightforward. The te- technological side of it proved to be rather challenging for myself. Um as uh, producer William uh, found out when I was messaging messaging him at eleven thirty in the on the evening, trying to get the uh, the the audio content sent over to him. But apart from that, all all, all went pretty good for for me. I I really enjoyed it. It's really fiddly, isn't it? Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was good. I thought it was good. It was it was difficult to start with. I was saying to Cal the other day that I actually got some pre pre podcast nerves. Pre-pod which nerves, is, yeah, can happen. Yeah, which is unusual because I don't really get that nervous normally. Um, I think maybe you need a, a pre-pod routine of some sort. Maybe I do. I reckon... I, I think you need I'll to find your one. zen. You need to find your zen before before recording the podcast. I think some meditation is required. I think it might be. I think you're portraying me as a wild hippie man that lives in the woods, <laughs> but I'm really not. I do live in a house. Um, yeah, that's that. That's 
that's fair. I, I, I would say you're, you're hippie-ish. Yeah, I'll take that. I'll be quite happy with that. I'll yeah, I was going to say, I, I would have thought you would uh, enjoy, enjoy being called hippie-ish. Um, so just moving on from, from obviously the first episode of the podcast, um, obviously it's a little bit different this time because last time we recorded the pod, the pod, we were recording on an evening. It's now, uh, well, we were meant to start recording at 10 o'clock this morning. It's now half 10 and all the technological issues we've had trying to set it up, but we're going for a morning, a morning podcast this time. I did speak to you in the week or last week, I think it was Cal and your mom said that we should have a, a beer whilst recording recording the podcast uh i'm not sure that that's particularly appropriate yeah. for 10 o'clock on a saturday morning but you know well i i don't know how to how i took that really because for me that was a sort of sign that we were a bit boring i don't know i don't know if yeah. that's our first negative review um she said yeah have a beer so you all like loosen up a bit and be a bit more entertaining so i don't know i think that's pretty harsh from her but could be a good tactic going forward we'll see Maybe so. I don't think I'll start on the Jack Daniels at half ten on the Saturday, though. It's a long day <laughs> out from then, isn't it? <clears throat> yeah, yeah, it is. Um, right then, just for today, um, for this episode of the podcast, um, we're just looking um, for Cal. If you can just explain a little bit to those who might be listening who are interested or and just... Um, for the for, for general information really uh, the support system that the charity Sporting Minds UK actually offers um, I just think it's um, a worthwhile for for us to actually um, make that make that known to people yeah I think if um, you know whoever's listened to this podcast if you've sort of come through our social media you might have a, a good idea of what the charity does but then again some people might not so I thought it might be useful just to give some context as to actually what Sporting Minds is as a charity. Um, and the the main component of it is that support system that we that we provide to young athletes. Um, we've, we've got a healthcare partner in Bupa, um, which provide all our, our private mental health care for us. So essentially, we offer that support system so that any young athlete who comes to us they they fill in that form on our website and then within hours they get access um to boopers private mental health care so from that you get uh, a 24-hour helpline um you get six free counseling sessions if you need more um then we provide additional funding um you get access to a lot of like online programs um which have, have gone down really well actually um sort of self-help things where you know you can um go through your own mental health struggles through these online programs at your own pace um so yeah i i just wanted to try and get across that that is probably the main thing about sporting minds obviously we want to to raise as much awareness around mental health issues that we can and you know a, a big reason for doing this podcast is to you know raise awareness um but the main thing we want to stress at the moment from the charity's point of view is that anyone out there who is struggling we can provide them with free 100% funded by the charity professional mental health care um, that's completely independent of any other sporting organization as well so it's 100% anonymous uh, you'll get access within a few hours and and so far we've had over uh, 530 um people who've come through that support system so it's worked well so far um we've happily signed another two years with uh Bupa being our uh, healthcare provider so yeah anyone who is out there struggling as a young athlete um doesn't matter what sport then please get in touch with us and um yeah you'll get access to that which will hopefully be uh, very beneficial to you can i just can i just ask a quick question of course you can. What um what what do you think the effects of lockdowns had on the charity, Cal? Has it um increased increased numbers, so to speak? Well, it's it's interesting really because we've only existed during COVID, so we didn't have any data to go on pre COVID. Um in terms of the support system, it's only been in existence during um the sort of covid time i suppose if you look at the individual months i'd say we have probably seen spikes that coincide with the various lockdowns so a real big spike for us 
and the sort of first wave of a lot of people going through the support system was that first lockdown uh, in May, I think it was. Um, and so I suppose at the moment it's quite a small sample size. Um, we have had a, a fair number of referrals come in that have directly referenced COVID. Um, and you have to imagine it's it's got to be a big issue for young athletes at the moment. You know, there's the issue of simply not being able to play a sport. Um but also the sort of wider career issues that are at stake. Um, yeah, I'd say from the support system, it's generally, we've seen quite big spikes coinciding with the lockdowns. In terms of the charity as a whole, like one of the things that's been really tough is fundraising because it's been hard to, you know, get out there and, and try and plan events. Um, but we've only really existed in during COVID, so it's all we, it's all we know, really. Hopefully, hopefully next year will be a bit more, uh, you know, be a bit different and, and we can get out there a little bit more and actually do some events in person. Obviously, we touched on the last episode of the podcast of what it's like. Obviously, me and you, Twig, um, experienced um, a lockdown as athletes. That was the first one. We're now on the third one. Um, and we thought that an appropriate um, topic... Um, a meaty topic for discussion for this episode of the podcast is actually how we've coped with the third lockdown especially now that we're not actually w within a sport anymore um, so I don't know whether you want to start us off Twig um, and explain what you have been doing yourself during this lockdown how you've been keeping yourself busy and how you've been keeping yourself mentally active and and, and so on. So do you want to start us off with um, what you've been up to um, over this third lockdown? Yeah, um, I have been very much unemployed over this third lockdown, um, to say the least. And that's been quite hard. It's probably been, well, it's been the first time in my life I've been unemployed. And for quite a significant amount of time, um, and I've only just started working now and the last day I probably went back was in work was September the end of September when we stopped playing cricket so yeah that, that's been tough but at the same time I think you've always got to keep that level of perspective that it you could be worse like it is it is a privilege to have a lockdown in my eyes there's a lot of countries in the world that can't afford a lockdown like financially economically it's not it's not viable and we're still in a position where a lockdown is is acceptable for this country and it yeah it's tough but you like you said where it's like i do yoga i try and meditate i try and read and keep my mind active and as healthy as possible by doing the things that i enjoy doing if i didn't enjoy them things i probably wouldn't do it as much but you do get to enjoy them the more you do it it's like Someone's always said to me, yeah, running's fun. I find running grotesque. But it does <laughs> it, it, it does additive. get better and easier the more you do it. And it's good it's good for your your health and your mental health. So I've tried to run as much as possible. And even if that's once once a week, it's it's more than I've probably ever done voluntarily before. So What have you been reading? I I read a lot of stuff, a lot of different things. Um, at the at the moment, I'm reading Giovanni's Room, which is James Baldwin. Is that fiction? Yeah, it's James Baldwin. Um, yeah, it's an interesting book. I don't know if many of our listeners will really have read it. It's quite a. I got it off Meg, so it's quite an English um, intellectual Meg, friend. Book. Friend of the podcast. Friend of the podcast. Um, but then, if it's self help, I like to read. I like to read anything that challenges your, your way of thinking. I read a good book in the first lockdown called Awareness by Anthony DeMello, that was really good. That just challenges your whole perspective on life and it's not going to change it, but if if you're reading about different perspectives and different ways to look at it, and there's obviously more than one ways to skin a cat, then it it does make you think and it makes you evolve as a human. I think that's the, the end goal when we've got that time in lockdown to actually evolve and try things that we've not done. So I've just been trying to do that, really, and stay stay as healthy as possible and not drink too much, I think. <laughs> I've, no, I've, good. I've, I, think, I think... Go on, Cal. I think with the... Um, I think with the lockdowns, like, you know, 
everyone finds themselves with a lot of time to themselves and yeah trying trying to just think about how you can like redirect your energy potentially you, you can't do things that you'd normally do um when we weren't in lockdown and so yeah finding new things to just spend your time on and it was like one of those things where before lockdown everyone was like yeah i'm i'm going to learn a new skill i'm going to learn to play an instrument and like learn a new la- like new language and then pretty much found that it didn't do that at all just sort of the days started to slip by quite quickly and they do yeah they do they do just go on pretty quick don't they and and you find yourself like already 2 months into a lockdown it's um it's one of those things where you've actually got to just try and yeah try and find something new to do and and just like experiment with it a little bit i guess yeah and i think the biggest thing is you got to give yourself a bit of slack like if you want to watch gogglebox at 12 o'clock on a saturday then watch it because when are you going to get this time to to do do things that you want to do again because you're going to go you back watch and, gogglebox i bloody love gogglebox i, I love gogglebox <laughs> say. i love gogglebox but you've got to cut yourself I don't, that I don't slack. Watch it. You should. Because in normal life, you would. But you think because it's a lockdown that you've got to do things and like you've got to be active and you've got to go running. Like everything that I've just said, I don't do every day because I can't. Because I can't be bothered. Your motivation yeah. slips, but you can get yourself down because of that. Because it's something that's meant to in- increase your positivity. So then, if it's decreasing your positivity, it's, it then becomes null and void. It's then a thing that is pointless because when you don't do it, you feel negative, and that's not the the outcome that you want out of something that makes you feel good. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Hopefully, we're looking towards a, a good summer where everyone can get out and about a little <clears throat> bit more. Yeah, mm, it, it's some, some valid points you make, Twig. Just a question from my perspective you mentioned the fact that you're unemployed at the moment and i think a lot of people in the country will be the same based on the economic situation of the country has that added any more stress to your situation at all or i know you're a very much a happy-go-lucky guy you don't you you don't you, you don't need um those kind of um things to make you happy do you really just from knowing you knowing you quite well but I'm just wondering obviously you've still got bills to pay um and obviously for the first time since you were 18 when you were playing professional cricket and now now you're not anymore how's that is that adding any further pressure to you or 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 not really yeah it, it it obviously is like financial financially it's hard when you're not you, you ain't got any income so you're paying things out of your savings that I managed to save a little bit and then borrowing money here and there off people that you're close to to pay for things um, and hopefully I'll pay them back <laughs> um, and then but then that becomes a stress at the same time because you, you don't want to feel like you can't provide for yourself and and it's not through lack of trying to to get a job like every day you're looking to get a job and I've just gone back to work and started coaching again but that's only because I've been allowed to yeah and that's the hardest bit when it's not in your control I'll apply for at one point I was applying for like 10 jobs a day they're not going to have me because I've got no experience in anything apart from bowling left arm spin so then they're not going (laughs) to pick me and then you're thinking wow Christ, this is going to be a tough slog and I need to pay the bills or I need to pay from petrol or blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, it's out of your control and that's the the whole thing about worries and anxiety. It's your control that that becomes the issue. If you can't control things, then it starts to build up on you. But you've just got to accept that it's not in your power. I couldn't work. If I did, I'd have to work from home in something that I'd never done before. So they're probably not going to employ me. So I think that was, yeah, it was hard not having that control of my yeah. own destiny, so to speak. Um, but yeah, you, you, but you've got to cut yourself slack at the same time. We're in the middle of a pandemic and I've never had a job before that I've applied to and got. So what's what makes me think I'm going to get one now when there's 100,000 other people trying to get the same job because no one's got one? Yeah, I mean, it's a... It's the sort of state that the country's in. Jobs are hard to get at the moment. Luckily, I'm a university student. I don't have to worry about that right now. Mm. But good luck with it, Twig. Thanks. 
Cheers. Um, yeah, I will be going to uni though, Cal, so I'll be joining you. Oh, really? Which uni are you looking to go to? Um, well, University of South Wales, I've got a place. Um, nice. But it's it's a course run through Cambridge United Football Club. So. Oh, that's quite cool. Yeah, You're going to be a footballer a football again? Football coaching. Yeah, football coaching and community development. Good. That's good stuff, mate. That's good stuff. Mm. Um, I think from my perspective, obviously, I've got a completely different end of, of the spectrum to yourself, Twiggy. Um, obviously, when we finished in September, I applied for a few jobs and uh, a guy at... Uh, my local cricket club actually said that he was working for a recruitment company and if anybody if I wanted some work basically over the course of the winter um, there's some there for me if I want so I'm kind of now working full-time nine till five I've just had the last week off which is the first time since December um, obviously since I left school I've played cricket and although there's a lot of emotion and a lot of stress you're used to having a lot of free time to yourself which is something that I now haven't uh, uh, having to get used to sitting at a computer all day every day answering phone calls and i gotta say it is a serious reality check um it's very it's very very different but it kind of what it's made me feel during a pandemic is it's really helped me out financially it's helped me um it's helped me mentally to keep me keep my mind busy and active um Sometimes I don't want it to keep my mind busy and active because I don't enjoy it at all, and I wait for the end of the day and I and I live for my weekends. Um, but at the same time, it's helped me. It's helped me no end to, to keep to keep my mind busy and to keep me active throughout this time. Um, what it has. Would you say done, it's given you like a? Would you say it's given you like a bit of a routine? Yeah, it's given me a purpose and it's given me something to something to focus on, and it's it's helped to set me up. Um, for the summer, but also it's I'm I'm, go, I'm hoping to go to to college to study journalism in September, and my motivation is I'm supporting myself. I'm raising the funds to support myself through a year of studying, to hopefully get into a role that I will enjoy a lot more and I will look forward to, and it will keep me working in sport. It's had its challenges. I mean, I really needed this week off. I needed a break. I needed just a, a chance to to refresh and reset. But I think it it does give you as an as a sportsman it gives you I think it made me appreciate the five years that I'd had previously when really I haven't had to work a day in my life because everything that I was being paid to do I would have without question have done voluntarily. Hundred percent, hundred percent. And there's no there is absolutely no chance I'd do this job voluntarily. No. I'm just living off student loans, so it's yeah, a bit. Uh bit different for me but no I, I i can understand the sort of um the positives and negatives of it good though that you know you're, you're getting that money in f- from the winter and then you can look to actually do something you do properly enjoy throughout the summer um yes yeah, so hopefully it's like a short-term thing for you don't want a dead-end job do you every single year no, looking forward really. to the weekend yeah no no it's um yeah but... i do i do think that this the mindset of the general population, well, especially my mates, it's changed that they, it's given them a lot of time to reflect on what they want and what they want to do. And yeah. we, like, let's be honest, this time last year we were just starting lockdown. So that year, that year's gone, well, it's gone pretty fast to say we've done nothing as a, like, as the general population that we've we've been in lockdowns pretty much eighty percent of it. So then what's what's another couple of years studying for something that you really want to do? Whereas I think before this it's that rat race of going, right, I'll get there and I'll get here before I'm twenty five here when I'm thirty and it's like now you have got that perspective of being like, Well, it's alright because we know what time we know what time does now because we've sat through it, I guess. And now we can I think a lot of my mates are reevaluating and just do something that you want to do because why not like time's there yeah, it, you can do it's, it it's one of those things that sounds really cliche but it's it's probably pretty cliche for a reason it is it's it's a great thing to do to be able to do something that you really enjoy you know i I really really enjoy um you know working on sporting minds and having set it up and now um you know 
helping to, to, to run it. That is something I do massively enjoy and, you know, look forward to the start of the week to sort of start doing it again. And, and it does have a great positive effect on your mental health. I found that when I was trying to play cricket really, really seriously, I'd I'd want it to be, you know, raining sometimes so I didn't have to play because I didn't I just didn't want to do it really. And I think when you start to get into that negative headspace, um, it's a lot tougher and the yeah. You you start looking forward to not doing the thing that you're supposed to look forward to doing. So yeah, it's a it's it's a tricky one to balance, but I think if you can start doing something you really enjoy, it's it's absolutely has a massively positive effect on your mental health. Yeah, I, I think I think you're right there. I think something that I would say from my personal experience, and Twiggy, you might completely disagree with me here, which is absolutely fine, but I thought the lockdown as a sportsman is far harder than locks, lockdown as just, just a normal person working a job. I feel far less stressed, far less emotional. I've got a really good support network around me that's helping me that's helped me transition from 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 sport to this but the first lockdown i found incredibly emotional and i think that's partly because obviously you're in the last year of your contract and you know that you know big decisions are going to be made on your future come the end of a come the end of the summer but at the same time i feel i feel that that affected my i'm not going to say that i had any kind of mental health issues but i know that it affected me in terms of my mood swings i think <laughs> Ed Barnard, who I lived with at the time, and, and, and his girlfriend would have both equally said that I, I could be, during that lockdown, very up and down moments where I was really, really happy and then I would, just wouldn't speak, which is quite unlike me. I would say I'm re- normally relatively relatively the same. I but... was I was around you, Wes, when you, um, when you actually got released. So after, I think you got released during the week and then you came to play club cricket on a Saturday and, and you did seem a lot more like positive almost like there was a sort of weight taken off you um was that something that you were maybe just portraying or, or did you actually feel like after you got released there was a bit of a weight lifted off your shoulders and and you yeah did have that relief i think that it had been an incredibly emotional two years for me where um there was i, I felt like i put myself under a lot of stress i really wanted to continue pl- to play cricket but I felt eventually it just became a really unhealthy environment. I used to hate to go into training every day. I used to hate seeing certain people um, every day. And in the end, the actual, although the meeting itself was quite unpleasant, um, which I didn't actually say anything in at all. Um, but and the initial, really? the in, no, I didn't say anything. And the initial moment of actually realizing i can remember um my girlfriend came with me at the time molly and um we were walking back through town back to the flat and we bumped into to ed barn um in town he was he's captain of the t20 team at that point and he was walking in for the game and he asked me he says oh when's your appraisal because i i hadn't told him that i was having my appraisal and um molly just burst into tears and i think i shed a tear as well and i think barn was kind of didn't really know what to say just because it was a really emotional time and the drive back, we drove back home, moving my stuff out of the flat in silence. We just didn't say anything. But I think after the initial dust had settled, where I'd kind of got my head around it, I realised that I had a great support network around me. My family were around me. I had lots of things to focus on. I started playing Sunday league football, and you know that was so good for my for my mental well-being. It gave me that thing to focus on that wasn't off. Oh, shit, I've just failed. I've just failed at something. You know that constant feel of failure, and. Um, and yeah, I felt really positive and it was almost after the initial day, it was like a weight had been lifting off my shoulders and I've been much, much happier ever since. Um, much happier. So, so what's actually, what's the what's the process actually like of being released? Because I don't think it's something that's actually talked about that much. So you said there that you mentioned the word appraisal. So I'm pretty sure every pro cricketer gets an appraisal every year, don't they? And you know, I, I presume that happens across pro sport. So what, you just, you just got a message that... The um, the the sort of powers that be wanted to have a have a meeting with you. Did you know from that point what the news was going to be? Like, how did you react to that? Yeah, I think you get appraisals in all walks of employment. 
Um, I don't think it's just professional yeah, sport. I think everybody has an appraisals. Yeah, um, yeah. But That's yeah, so you usually you usually get an appraisal during. Uh, yeah, sorry, it's, I it's don't usually, work. It's usually <laughs> June or July you get your appraisal, but obviously the pandemic meant that the season didn't even start till July, so it was hard to have an appraisal at that point. So mine and Twiggy's appraisals were put back. I think you asked for your appraisal, didn't you, earlier, Twig? Because you are within your rights yeah. to, to ask. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, I I received a, a message saying that my appraisal was on a certain date. I knew what was coming. I wasn't stupid. Um, I was well aware of the reality that I was about to face. But that doesn't make it any easier when you get in there when you're surrounded by five blokes. Some some of which you've got some of which you don't like. But some a lot of those people yeah. in there, I had an awful amount of respect for, and I will always have an awful amount of respect for the likes of Kevin Sharp. You know, I've spent the last five or six years with 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 him um and he's an emotional guy and i could tell that, that this is not the part of the job that them as coaches enjoy um but you, yeah, you sit around the table and they talk to you and they basically tell you they give you a grade from one to seven potentially i think it is and uh, actually i'm not sure what the grade in twig can you remember a to, a to E, a letters, to e. not numbers. Letters, yeah, oh, sorry. It? And and basically the, the letters uh, decides whether they're going to give you a new contract, whether they're still thinking about giving you a new contract um, or whether they're just going to let you go. And, yeah, they, they just uh, said that they were, they're were they not going to be offering me a new contract. They explained their reasons, which I thought were fairly valid, um, and I probably agreed with them for and and then that was it i didn't really say anything because i didn't think at that moment in time when the emotion is at the level that it is that it's worth actually i know you feel that cal you've said to me before that um maybe i i should have um spoken out a little bit more slagged them off yeah but i didn't feel at that time that that was an appropriate way of going about it I i think it would have made me look very bitter and that was not the that was not what i wanted um, so I left. It's probably one of those things where like, you know, if maybe a week after you look back, you sort of plan something in your head that you could have said. But actually at the time, it it's really hard, isn't it? Um, yeah. Yeah, it is. Because yeah, I, I, some of those people you've got the utmost respect for and you don't want to not embarrass yourself, but you don't want to let yourself down. Um, I don't know how you felt yours went, Twig. I mean, talk us through, talk us through what you went through, but I felt after it I felt I felt like a weight had been lifted and I felt much much happier mine was quite different to that um, I'd been in the T20 squad the whole campaign and not played a single game and we'd not won a single game so at that point I was thinking well I'm struggling here if I can't get in a losing side who are getting whacked around the park and I'm going to be playing as a bowler so I kind of knew it was coming and I had a conversation with the head coach at Somerset when I didn't play um, again and travelled down there to carry the drinks again um, and was he said oh we're going to have to do an appraisal do you want to wait till the end of the season and like and because we had two more games left maybe one, two, one or two games I can't remember um, and I just said look is it going to make a difference and he just said, not really, no. So I went, all right, well, let's do it tomorrow. Or tomorrow or Monday. It was, it was either a Saturday night or a Friday night. And we're going to do it on the Monday. And then I went in Monday and I knew it was coming. But I wanted it to happen, I think. Really? Which sounds really weird. But I, I, I'm like, okay with failure. Which sounds odd, but... To succeed to me is quite a hard thing to grasp and to understand because I'm so used to like not succeeding in sport that I've got used to it like not being picked and I've got been used to getting whacked a bit because I'm a bit out of my depth or getting getting ten and getting bold because you're a bit out of your depth. So I've got used to that and I never I never got used to thriving because I don't think I ever thrived. Well, I think you do yourself a little bit of a disservice there. You had a lot of yeah, definitely. great moments in, in cricket. Yeah, sure. and I think that's just my that's my inner mind talking. From the outside, it's probably different. And we spoke about that when I was at North Hans Cal and we did that first chat. Yeah. From what, 
from their perspective looking at me it's completely different to what I look at myself from the inside so I was thinking going up to it thinking I hope they release me because then it's not me I've not had to make the decision to play or not or to accept it or not it's done oh, for the me the decision gets made for yeah, you yeah yeah it's been done and I can just walk off and I literally mine was similar to where I didn't say much but I asked a few questions because in my head I was playing nice cricket well, I think mm. for, I think for a lot of people's heads, I was playing nice cricket, um, and I was I felt really good, bat and ball in the field. I felt fit, which I'd I'd been injured for a year, so it was good to like play a, a a professional summer. I'd play club cricket and stuff like that, but a short summer. But I felt fit and I felt good, and yeah, the reasons were justified in their head. Um, and I just asked a few questions of why and. If they're your reasons, what do I have to do to improve? Because if I go further in cricket, I want to know. I've got four or five, I can't remember. It's quite a blur anyways. But you've got four people in the room or whatever. I want to know all of your opinions, not just one person. So I can take it and improve if I want to take it further. Because it's and probably... did, you feel like, did you feel like you got pretty honest opinions? Not really. I think it was very much say what you kind of have to say so it gets done yeah so you can just get out of the meeting and, and I think I think it. I think some yeah. of the people in those meetings feel just as inc- uncomfortable as you do um, because 100%. obviously um, most of them have got such a close relationship with you and you've spent years actually learning and developing under them um, like the example I gave earlier of somebody like Kevin Sharp like you've got such a like good relationship and positive relationship um so, so it's kind of that's it, and and you think that in the same way that you don't want to like the same way I didn't want to em- embarrass myself or do myself a disservice in front of them. They probably that in the same way they don't want to offend you because you've still we're still people and we still have a relationship with them. If you if you get what I mean, so somebody like Kev yeah. is somebody that I would like to speak to, and when we're out of a pandemic, I would like to meet him and have a coffee and just just have a chat because he's been a big part of my life for the last five years as a coach. Um, so yeah, yeah. So that was a question I was gonna that was a question I was gonna ask both of you. So um, if you're a professional athlete and you get released, obviously you know that's 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 your job gone. But also, um, you guys were great friends with a lot of the Worcester players. Um, and had sort of grown up with them. So there's also um, that aspect of you get taken out of a, of a social circle that you've been involved with for a number of years. You've spent a lot of time with these people. You got to know them very well. Um, I think in both your cases, you were living with other players as well. So Yeah, and um, we lived together. Yeah, yeah so what, so what's, what's, what's that side of getting released like? I can imagine that's a pretty tough thing to, to go through. Do you want to go, Wes, or shall I? Uh, I'll, I'll go. Um, I think, you know, it's a really difficult situation and Twiggy will probably have a much different view on it to what I have. But I have always been of the opinion that everybody is selfish in an, ex- in a, in an extent and everybody is out for themselves because it is professional sport and because it is dog-eat-dog. And... There are certain lads there that I will always speak to. For example, Ed, who I lived with for five years. For example, Twig. There's a couple others in there as well. I started, I started to get on really well. I know he's a young lad and he's still coming not, through the system. Uh, but not Jack Haynes. Haynes but, I was just about yeah. to say Jack Haynes coming well, through the system. But I'll always speak to But there are, there are certain people in there that you think, well, were we just friends because we were in the same team as each other? Because some people who I would have said I was relatively close to and couldn't even be bothered to, to to see if I was all right and you know that's a difficult thing to get your head around that some people didn't even bother to I mean and I'm not saying that I wanted everybody to send me a message saying oh god I'm gutted for you and all that because that's not the case but there were certain people who I didn't have good relationships but they still took the time to message you and and, and I don't want to say make a fuss out of you because that's not what you wanted but sometimes it's very difficult and it's a very traumatic time of your life and what I would say is what it showed. It shows certain people's colours. Now that's probably a little bit harsh, but yeah, I, I think, think I found like playing playing cricket just quickly. Like it, it made me almost feel really selfish a lot of the time because you're 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 playing with 
um, people you are in direct competition with. And then certain times, you know, if I'm trying to push to get in a, a higher team, it's in my interest for one of my friends to not do well. And it's it, you sort of get to that feeling where you're like, you know, is this really that fun? You know, arriving, just having such a selfish outlook on sport. Because cricket's one of those games where, yeah, it's a team sport, but it's about individual performances a lot of the time. Um, but yeah, Twig, how did how, how did you deal with that sort of side of being released? Um, I think I've had it all my life in terms of, I've been away from my mates at home since I was young, so I know that they're my mates, and I never had, I never had like a false illusion. Not saying ways, not saying you're right or wrong. I think you are right, which everyone is kind of selfish in a way. But I knew that if they were my mates, they'd be there for me afterwards because they're they're my mates. Do you know what I mean? I've had that past experience of my mates at home where where I grew up. I still my mates now, but I live three hours away from them. So I've always had that like knowledge that they'll be there if they're my true mates and if they're not then that's fine because they weren't my they weren't my friends and I think yeah like same bands were my best mates Deli Hainsey they're all good friends and and Wes and and we obviously talk on this every week so I see you all the time um okay, but I'll make time and zooms to like see them because they do the same for me but I never I don't know. I don't think I was under an illusion that people had messaged me. I didn't really care if they did, um, because I probably wouldn't do it to them. Yeah. Because when we're when we're on the field, I will be your best mate because I want us to win at the end of the day. So I'll give it everything for you, even if I like you or not off the field, because I love I enjoy winning, and yeah. I think it's fair to say, Wes, you know, I'm very much a team player. Yeah. And I will give it everything when I'm in the right mindset to give it everything. Yeah. But when we're off the field, if I don't care about you, then it's not hard feelings. It's just the way I am. Yeah. So I don't. Yeah. Ah. So it was diff- difficult, but at the same time, I was. I wasn't holding any promises that people would message me or anything. I didn't really. It didn't yeah. really bother me. Yeah. No, I I do agree with that. I do agree that on the field it was it, it was always about winning. I mean, it's a difficult relationship when you play second team cricket because the priority a lot of the time is not always about winning. Um, it's about 100%. opportunities. But what I found was that as a group, there are a lot of people there that I had close relationships off the field. Um, that 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 you would have said that potentially, you know, that there were some close friends at the time that you got on really really well with that would have been I don't I don't know maybe I'm just being a baby um, no but... no I think I think you, no I don't think you are I think you're you're probably a little bit disappointed that what what was holding that friendship together was just professional sport and that's quite fickle yeah yeah I think that's I think, I think you've just hit, you've just hit the nail on the head uh, I've just spent the last 15 minutes trying to get it down trying to say it and you've just uh, kind of well just, done uh, thanks um, thanks <laughs> Should have and said no, it earlier. We'd have cut um, the podcast. Yeah, time now. yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, you'd have no, stopped to like a waffle. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, no, no, I do so, is it. it is it literally a case of when you get released? Is it boom? You're just gone. You grab all your stuff straight away. Depends. And you go. Was there much sort of aftercare from the club to sort of help you manage you through that potentially quite quite daunting and dangerous time? Um, mm. Was was there any sort of aftercare in place for that? I'll go on that if you want, Wes. Yeah, I'll follow up. Um, I know from my personal experience, they, they in inverted commas, the institution said that <laughs> said that you can um, you can come train. You're obviously so this still... is like the Meghan Markle, yeah, and it is. Prince and, Harry, isn't it? Uh, were you silenced? I feel like Oprah. <laughs> um, and so basically, you're contracted until. Till your contract ends, obviously, but that was for us is till December. So I could have gone in or and wears till December, and trained and used the facilities and done everything that you would have normally done. But when December comes, you can't go in again because you're not legally bound. But as a player, you're thinking that nah, stuff that like I'm not I'm not showing up again. So I I know that I just went thanks You'd for be- your time. You'd be like the Neil Warnock guy again, wouldn't you? Just in the corner yeah. of the room. Corner of the room. Wants. Like, you're not getting a bat today because you actually don't play for us. Um, <laughs> Who said we so, got a bat when we did play for him? 
Wow. How many joking? But no, you're not. Um, and so, I, I know. I just got my kit bag. I said thanks for everything. It's been a blast. Got my kit bag. Left, and never went back in again. But from the club's point of view, I don't think. Maybe people might disagree, but I don't think it is their responsibility. No, it's not. To take, to give you aftercare because they've got players to worry about. They've got a business to run, and yeah. as you well know, Cal, that's modern day capitalism. They don't care about you once you're gone. Shut up. But it's um, true. They don't care well, about you once you're gone. I think gone, that's quite sad. But yeah. It is, but then that's what the PCA is there for yeah. in our in our line, and they were brilliant. Yeah, I would and, com- completely agree with you there, Twig, that it's not Worcester's responsibility to make sure that to babysit us and hold our hands through our transition fit period. That's what the governing body's there for. And that's what your governing body's there for, and I think... In some sports, it obviously can be better, but I think in cricket, it's pretty exceptional. Yeah, I think. I would, I think yeah, it's well, brilliant. I mean, just in terms of my own experience, like uh, obviously you guys are right at the top end of the you know sporting spectrum. Uh, I was in a sort of position where I wasn't formally on the academy anymore. I wasn't a pro and stuff, and so the way I sort of got um, told that I wasn't playing anymore was just like got ghosted so I just didn't get texted anymore which was a bit of a strange one especially when you've been playing for that club since the age of you know nine or ten um so I think it's it's an issue that gets seems to be treated differently depending on at what stage you're at um obviously so you know it sounds like there's a bit of a hole in the system doesn't it really yeah and I think creating the charity sport in minds obviously we wanted to just make sure that any young athlete who needed that treatment and needed that care um even if they didn't fit into the criteria that's needed for support across the different sports that they that, that, that they still got that um yeah. because i've i've found in a way that the way i was sort of because I wasn't formally let go because there was nothing to let go of. There was no contract or anything like that. Um, but I, I, I would have appreciated just a, you know, like a, a phone call just to say, look, we're not going to play you anymore. Even, even if it's because we think you're shit or, you know, we just want to play other lads. I'd have been absolutely fine with that, um, considering where I was at with my life. But I think a at least a phone call after playing for that, you know, for that team for the various teams in that system from the age of about 10. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's always a tricky one to balance and it's it's hard for the people actually in power as well to, to do it the right way a lot of the time. Um, but I think it's one that does always need to be dealt with quite delicately. Uh, yeah, I think from an academy perspective or someone that's under 18, it, it, it could be dealt with a lot better and they... they there is definitely now, like, hence your charity in full front is the perfect example of if there was 20 of these across all different sports that could align themselves with, like, PCAs and and PFAs and, and things like that and governing bodies where if you're from 16 to 18 and you've been let go in that period, these are your contact. Do you know what I mean by that? So, like, for us, if you're 18 and above and you get contracted, the PCA is your contact. Helpline, any time of the day. They've yeah. got apps to help your mental health. They've got, you've got, we've got Lindsay, who is literally, like, our second mother, who you can ring at any point and she'll get yeah, back no, to you Lindsay's as soon as great. possible. But then there is, a, there is a gap in the system for 16 to 18-year-olds who have never made it, and that's the hardest thing. Because yeah. then you're worried, like, for us, we know we've played... And we probably couldn't have done much more, and that's it. But then you're worrying and sitting thinking, could I have done it? Could I have not done it? Was I not good enough? Was the system fail me? All these kind of questions that have to be answered by someone. And that's where the gap is, I think. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. That's the gap that we wanted to fill and that we identified. And it was a pretty pretty huge gap, really, across all sports. as you say, yeah, the, the the PCA do offer really good support and they offer it in partnership with a charity that we're now starting to work with, which are a brilliant charity called um, Sporting Chance, um, the organisation headed up by Tony Adams about 20 years ago. Um, they are an absolutely brilliant organisation. Um, 
but it's it's hard for one organization to to offer support to everyone across the country and so you know that's why i think supporting minds came in and filled that gap uh, obviously we provide support to anyone but provide being able to provide that support to those individuals that didn't meet the criteria to get it is is obviously a really important thing and i'm glad we've been able to do it yeah and sport, that's exactly what you're there for isn't it yes yeah, sporting chants are, are very good i actually used their their um service myself um at one point which might be uh something that's worth discussing uh on another podcast at some point but um i think gents i think we've um well i think we've covered that um, that topic really nicely in there and um, there's just something that just before yeah, we wrap it what a podcast be, before we wrap it up that I would like to bring to the attention of anyone who might actually be listening to this um, I have got a lot of time on my hands at the moment and I've uh, been watching a little bit of uh, television and uh, something that's cropped up on uh, I've seen uh, Roman Kemp going around uh, uh, advertising um a program that's going to be on the BBC this week and it is called Our Silent Emergency and for anyone who maybe might want to have a uh, who's got a vested interest in this subject it might be worth giving that a watch it looks very interesting it talks about his own 13 year um, battle with his mental health and it also talks of um, the suicide of a very close friend of his so um, I haven't seen it myself yet, but it does look very good. And if anybody would like to watch it, I would recommend giving that a go. Depending on when we release, depending on when we release this podcast, you might have to get on the not, It'll be on yeah. BBC iPlayer. iPlayer, yeah. Yeah, there you yeah, go. That's, yeah. it. that's it. So the BBC <laughs> hopefully will will give me some advertising rights for plugging their show. Um, hopefully. Yeah, if I get a guest star on RuPaul's Drag Race after this, Wes, I'll be absolutely over the moon. <laughs> Um, gentlemen, it's been an absolute pleasure spending my Saturday morning with you. Um, I'll thank you for your time, and let's do this again soon. Lovely. Thanks, Wes. Cheers, Wes. You're Cheers, great. Twig. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Speak to you soon. Bye. Bye.